Mark Duvall from You Can Bet on Nats, sir. How the heck are you? Uh, I'm very good. How are you? Doggone it. It's been more than three months. Since, I, since I know. I know. Um, look, it's. Uh, I, I said it on the podcast. I'll, I'll say it here again. I even ha- People were even asking, hey, is like, I guess it's going to do better viewing again? And I felt so bad. It was a mistake to announce that the next episode was going to be a, a grab bag episode <laughs> when I had nothing in the bag to grab. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have found, uh, I've, I've messaged you, I think a couple, um, a couple scenes and episodes that I've found so far. There's a South Park episode that has quite a bit of game, uh, like, yes. like casino shots in it. Um, I've come um there's a couple, uh, there's a breaking bad scene that I'm going to send you soon. Like, so I am, I am getting back on that beat of like finding, of like watching shows, finding the the timestamps and, and, um, and I'll, I'll make sure that if it, I don't know what we'll do. Well, I, I have a couple ideas what we do for the next one. We'll talk about the end of the episode. Um, but, uh, I am, I am, I'm getting the bag full of the grabs that way the net, when it's time for that episode, it's ready. And I'm not scrambling, hoping I find enough. Right. So, all right. Very good. I'm standing yeah. by. Okay. So that's where we are this time. And we're, we're just recording this on our own privately and not streaming this because uh, in, in the, the, the life of ketchup, uh, I didn't, I wanted to keep this as simple as possible, but in the future, we'll go back to, to streaming this for our audience who likes watching us discuss this, okay, but good. we are going to start with the show or uh, the movie, the big town. Now this stars Matt Dillon, Deanne Lane, Tommy Lee Jones, among others. It came out in 1987. I watched it on Amazon. It's also available on Tubi. Uh, this is a story about a young country boy who is a crapshooter and he goes to Chicago to make it big as a big arm. And this, Mark, I don't remember how this got in front of me, but when it did, I was like, how have I never heard of this? <laughs> right? Like, it seems like, like it's a, it's a movie dead. It's a movie about a guy who shoots craps. That's all he does, right? That's the, that's the plot. And how have I been, how, how have you been, been doing this, like this better life stuff for like four years now, you and I have been doing this for like a year and a half. How am I just now learning about this movie? Have you heard of this before when I, before I sent it to you? Well, of course I have Tim, because okay. I put together a list of upcoming TV shows and movies uh, coming up within the next two weeks Right. Uh, for our podcast. <laughs> and the big town comes up all the time. Is that right? And if you go to our movies list, you'll also see the big town. Uh, you know, it is funny because what when I do the search, the big town comes up in several ways. Okay. Uh, one is that it finds the word crapshooter, which mm. I think it's the only TV show or movie where I find that actual word crapshooter. That's interesting. So no, I have known about this movie for a long time, but I had not seen it. Okay. And I didn't realize, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, just how much craps there is in it. Yeah. I, you know, I thought it was, okay, that's kind of, you know, the the motivation for this character, but I didn't realize there were going to be so many scenes with craps in it. This is a craps movie. Oh my gosh. So even though I have heard of it, I didn't realize it was this crap as crapstastic as it turned out to be. I'm not going to lie. I actually kind of anticipated having the same experience as we did with the card counter where yeah. there's right. like, where there it's like maybe craps heavy in the beginning. And then it takes a whole nother story that like gets away from it. Right. Right. I, I was actually anticipating that, but to your point, like every other scene, every third scene is him back at a dice table. Yes. Yeah. 
uh, and I use the word table there kind of loosely because there's a lot of makeshift tables in this movie. Right. This is, you know, the craps game that he he's playing in heads up craps games, you know, backroom craps games, not playing craps at a casino. Right. So uh, I don't have a lot of um, a lot of notes, but where I do, I think there is a number of things to to discuss. Uh, so let's, let's start. Okay. They're in the back of a, no timestamps here. Cause there's enough to sort of just go from front to back right, of the movie. Yeah. Uh, craps game is in the back of a maintenance shop, uh, shop. Uh, he puts down his money, him being, uh, Matt Dillon who plays Colin. And he says, shoot it all. And this is something we'll hear through the entire movie is all the, mo- all the cash on the table, shoot it all. Um, and there's this is where you start to pick up that it's a head um um a heads up game right yeah he's putting down his money someone else is countering that money right someone else is saying um and depending on where the where the game is um if it, maybe there's a house like we'll see later when he's in chicago uh maybe it's just someone else at the table saying i'll i'll take that and they put the cash right on top of each other for like a winner take all bet and then once um as as normal if it's a seven or if it's a natural the shooter wins if it's craps he uh the whoever took his action wins and then otherwise there's a point and then they play through the point like you would in a normal craps game when there is a when there is a point made then you start hearing about side bets which is like other like people like essentially place bets right or other type of sort of prop bets that you would see only they're just sort of call bets and then people say i'll take that right right once a point's established then that starts coming in right right yep and what's interesting about this is, you know, not you know, every table in this movie looks different in the way that mm-hmm. it's laid yes, out and stuff. Yes. And none of them look like a modern crafts table. Correct. Yeah, right. Exactly. They, yeah. They all have sort of different ways they lay out, but the, they have the three main elements, at least from what I saw, the pass, the don't, and then numbers uh, like the um, the box numbers. Um, I guess maybe not all of them had a don't section, but like they're like you see a pass at least, and then the box numbers. Right, they wouldn't yep. have don'ts, but like you said, anybody who was betting against the shooter would just put their money on top of his, maybe right. at like a ninety degree angle to differentiate from it. But yes, winner takes all. Yep. Um, and uh, there. Oh, that's all I got from the for the main shop. You got anything here? Yeah, uh, you know, we'll talk about some of these more uh, games coming up some more. But you're right. Most of these games, it was just the shooter. You're either betting with him or against him. There weren't side bets. There weren't like place bets. There weren't hardways, although hardways were discussed. But there wasn't like a separate hardways bet or anything. Again, because this is a heads up match. You're not playing against the casino. Yep. Yep. The um, we're in the car. Uh, the the old gentleman uh, who uh, whose character's name is Hooker, I believe that yes. was Tom. Was that no? Tom Skerritt was the no. What was Tom Skerritt? I think who played Tom. Tom Skerritt. We'll get to him at the end, but he was sort of the the bad guy. Uh, oh, we'll was talk about it, when oh we yeah. Okay, yeah. who? But, who but played... Hooker was played by Don Franks. Okay, uh, I had the cast list open, and of course, okay. everybody is aged like twenty years since <laughs> right. then. And so I'm like, "Is that the guy?" Yeah. Um, okay, there we go. Uh, so Hooker, who's kind of like his mentor, mentor, yeah. um, in a way, and they're in the car, and he says, "You know how to play the odds." And what's funny about that is when I first heard that, I was like, "Oh, come on, right? Like, come on, okay, like a shooter's going to be able to." But then as you learn about how these hustlers play these heads up games, yeah. you kind of learn there is actually an element to them knowing Oz and taking advantage of it. Um, but th- this was uh, I, I, this was like sort of the first indication that they are actually 
like maybe like depending on who they're playing against or who they're who they're putting the, the side bets against that they is it we can get to the ridiculousness of this guy being able to be a quote-unquote good arm or good shooter but you do see elements of sort of almost positive EV plays and the way they're making their like side bets and such. Right. Exactly. And I went through the same experience at the beginning. It's like, okay, he's really good at shooting dice, right? I'm going to yeah. have to suspend my disbelief, but yeah, as the movie goes on, it's like, Oh, okay. It's not just that it's taking advantage of other players who don't know the odds. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, we see Hooker with Colin's mother in a, uh, in a subsequent scene in, in, in the following scene, she says, you promised you wouldn't teach him to drink and gamble like his father. And Hooker responds, your husband wasn't much of a gambler. He was a drunk. <laughs> and I really appreciated this from this was another sort of nod to smart gambling that you could be a gambler who wasn't like a degenerate. Right. That wasn't sort of a spiraling the drain personality um, that, you know, trying to say there's a difference between what your son's doing as a gambler and what your husband was doing, who was just sort of drinking and sort of like pissing his money away. Right. Right. Um, uh, anyhow, we can, uh, there's, there's, there's a, there's one, I think there's one note I have in here where I was like, come on with this, with this, like can win it craps thing. But, uh, there's, oh yeah, here it is. Multiple references. You see this in a, in a couple scenes, hooker says it. And I think, uh, when he finally meets his, his, uh, backers, like the, Multiple reference him to being the best dice player they've they've seen, um, and and Hooker says that he doesn't believe in luck; he believes in confidence. And this was where I was like, this, <laughs> I I've been in enough crap tables and seen people with enough confidence to know you need a little more than just confidence. You kind of need the luck. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'm gonna I'm gonna extend that quote a little bit because okay. Hooker Hooker actually says, "I believe in confidence, the illusion of luck." And Ooh. so, you know, that was kind of another element like, OK, he doesn't believe in luck, but if you're confident, maybe, you know, you put some little uh, thought in other people's minds that, oh, this guy is lucky. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think if you if you listen to the whole quote, it's like, OK, uh, yeah, maybe I'll give you a little more uh, credence to what you're saying here. Yep. OK. Uh, Hooker. Uh, recommend like endorses him heading to Chicago. We're in Indiana. Like, this, this is taking place in some in the in the country of Indiana. Endorses him to head to Chicago uh, to bring his game there, uh, which I think is interesting because we see a, we see this in a lot of poker movies, right? Where some small town kid uh, wants to like head to the city and 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 make it big, right? Or not? Any, I mean, it's not any poker movies, but like we we see this, you know, in any anywhere where someone is maybe a a crafty gambler or other skill, like it's the whole idea of like you're leaving this small area where there's not a lot of opportunity and heading to the big city where you're going to make it big. Uh, and I think it's funny that someone would do this solely to, to shoot craps, right? Like this, there's nothing else he's doing this for other than to find dice games and beat them. Uh, but I more, know, yeah. more yeah. power to him. Yeah. All yeah. right. And uh, a hook, a hooker actually gives uh Cully his lucky dollar coin, you know, here, yes. this is my lucky coin. Take this, you know, don't use it because you want to use it if you need to, you know, yeah. when you get down to your last dollar or whatever. And so of course, you know, that's a plot point that's going to come up later. Yep. Uh, he, he heads into this bar at in Chicago 
this couple uh the where the um the woman sort of runs the uh well i guess a run but it's sort of the face of this operation and her husband who is blind who's essentially i guess the true backer um they are uh off the off of uh hooker's confidence and recommendation they are going to back or stake um colon in these dice games and they make the uh they make the um uh, the one stipulation you gamble with our money and you shoot with our dice. Yeah. And when you first hear shoot with our dice, you think like, Oh, I guess that's it. You learn later why that's, <laughs> why that's especially important. Um, but those are their stipulations. They're get 70% of what he wins now. Okay. I, I get this plot point of like, this is a small town country kid. He needs, like, he doesn't have a lot of money. He needs someone who backs him. Right. And they're, they're essentially free rolling him. Right. Like if he loses, whatever, get out of town. If he wins, we all, we're all happy. Right. But I mean, if he's, if he's that good and he was cleaning up, like, like go find some smaller games first and just like go up that now, I guess, you learn that this this ends up leading to him being able to get into some more reliable right. games, right? right? So so there is a benefit to him. I just thought seventy percent. I was like, are you really making like like you're probably not making any more than you would if you had just if he had just gone on his out on his own? I guess the difference is in the security of being both backed and he's getting into more reliable games. So I suppose that's the yeah right. I guess and. Again, we're, he's going into this culture that probably never really existed, right? This is a right. neo-noir film that's, you know, presenting this fictionalized, idealistic 1957 Chicago area. And, you know, that's kind of some of the charm of the film. And although I'm sure there were, you know, backroom craps games back then, and certainly probably more than now since casinos have popped up everywhere. And also the, the age group that we're talking about then, you know, um, coming from the military in World War II, and craps was a big part of that. Even though there probably were a lot of backroom craps games, I doubt that there was this whole culture behind, you know, right. this craps culture there that the movie presents. But again, that's again that's some of the charm of the movie. So, uh, Colin heads to the hotel where he's being put up. Uh, the even even the the bell desk knows uh, the guy at the bell desk knows why he's there and that he's this like hot shooter and even asks like maybe you can teach me how to shoot dice sometime, right. which I think lends to your your point of like they're really creating this culture of dice uh, being like a part of life there right they're like everybody knows about a back game everybody like wants you know wants right. to yeah uh but there ha does happen to be a little game going on in the basement he heads down there he wins a little bit he wins some money. Uh, cut scene to him back in front of um, in front of his stakers and she's not happy about it, but I was actually surprised like she, but she, she doesn't give him a hard time about it, which uh, I think was sort of um, <laughs> I, I sort of took that as like the, the, you know, we don't appreciate that, but we understand that it's the, like why you did it. Right. Like, yeah. like, you know, sort of, uh, you know, if you're good at what you do, why wouldn't you just want to keep doing yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and she ends up, she stakes some $200, uh, for, uh, to head out for his, his games. Um, he is with, oh goodness. Uh, Ferguson. Is that the name of the, um, the guy he's, he's with, I don't oh, know. Like I, his friend, you mean? Yeah. Who, what's he, that friend's Sonny. name? Sonny. Sonny. There we go. Sonny. Yeah. 
Um, oh, Ferguson's the staker. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I had names note here, and I was like, that does those don't line up the way I thought they did. <laughs> Sonny, uh, he's with Sonny, who's going to sort of show him around. Sonny makes a comment: the odds are with you to make money as long as you know the odds and the bets. And at first, again, I'm like, come on. But then he starts to go. They and I'm not. I didn't. I don't have the whole quote here because they they go on uh, a bit of a right. tangent. Kind of long, yeah. But you start hearing about the he's like, you know, if someone uh, pretty much they're arbitraging the odds in in what the real odds are and what they're being and what the and what they're getting from uh, from the people who want to play. Right. So uh, if something, you know, it should it should be even money, but they can get, you know, three to two on it or whatever like that, they're they're getting the best of it. And you start to realize that they're talking about that's where these heads up games become valuable is you really are making a proposition bet with another human. And so long as they take the bet, they take the bet. Right. And they may not be, and look, we see it in the casino. Now, not many people actually know the odds of what they're doing. Right. And this is an illegal casino where, where you can understand, you could, if you want to understand everything, it actually is pretty, I, I think it's feasible that they would be able to find, you know, degenerates or recreation or gamblers that, one action and don't actually understand the odds and are willing to sort of and would would take a payout not in their favor because they don't understand how that works yeah and this scene was sunny this is the first part in the movie where you realize okay this isn't about dice control or dice in- influencing yep. it's about taking advantage of situations and yeah the example i i don't have the quote exactly here but the example sunny gives is well okay if you're laying against the five and somebody gives you even money you know, yep. they don't know the odds, right? And you could take advantage of that. Right, exactly. Uh, and it sort of, it goes into a montage of him sh- uh, introducing him to sort of the, the round of games that he'll have access to. We see one in a hotel room, we see lounges, we see back alleys. Uh, and of course, sort of gives the Im- implication that like he's doing well at all these spots, right? That it's just, it's going the way they they expect it to. The, the fellas then... Um, uh, oh, he he wants to get into a game at uh, the Gems Club, and he's warned uh, that it's a tighter game, um, largely because it's sharper players, so people know the odds, so it's yeah. difficult, so they can't get that edge. Uh, but he wants in because he wants to give it a try, so he makes his way there. It's a gentleman's club. Uh, the game is run by Tommy Lee Jones, who plays George Cole. Uh, Colin is the shooter. Uh, and he throws down his money and says five C's to pass, um, which, uh, of course, a hundred dollar bill being known as the C notes. Um, I met, and I actually kind of appreciated this sort of slang that they used here um, and saying to pass. And I think what, what I actually really liked about this was they used that original crafts lingo of pass, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's, that's what the bet was like on, I'm betting X amount of dollars to pass, which is we all, of course, know is either naturals or point and then and then uh, making the point. Uh, and then this one I thought was interesting. Uh, a guy calls out a bet um, and Tommy Lee Jones uh, says no fly bets here. Um, essentially a call bet. I never heard him call a fly bet before. I'm I sure. Yeah, yeah. I okay. haven't heard that either. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the tables, uh, the table is set up with uh, the pass line all like almost uh, about two thirds of the way around. And then the box numbers are, are directly in the center. Uh, that's how the, this, but this is like the most craps table looking craps table we see 
uh, in this. It has, it's like actually has railing around. It looks like a real tub yeah, rather yeah. than like a makeshift uh, like cardboard or anything else that you might see uh, in other scenes. Uh, Colin ends up making uh, shooting very well and gets to a point where he has 4,000, throws on a table, shoot it all. Uh, he, yeah, he, he keeps basically doubling up. He takes right. all his winnings, yeah, and keeps yep. uh, putting it back. Yep. Yep. And uh, he gets all the way up to four thousand. Uh, he uh, he he hits it. Uh, he gets a point of eight. He hits it, and then tries to do it again with eight grand. And Cole gets uh, gets annoyed and walks away. Right. Yep. Something I have pointed out here. Um, this is must have been the point in which I uh, which I saw it. Bruce Dern playing mr edwards very good performance i agree yeah you know it is interesting because this film has varying degrees of performances Mm -hmm. you know some aren't that great some are fantastic and yeah bruce bruce dern you know plays it to the hilt definitely you know yep uh, and it's very entertaining and at at first i was like is this is he just better than everybody else right like because of (laughs) your say it's varying degrees but after a few scenes you're like no this guy's killing it this is a great performance yeah 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 um, back at the, uh, back at the gym club, Cole pulls a stunt. Uh, and this was a very, this was an interesting scene. Agreed. So, uh, he, uh, Colin's back on a heater and Cole gestures to one of the girls in the room to, and, and she then sort of makes a, makes a scene like falls over and everybody turns around. Right. And then one of Cole's associates drops, uh, picks up the original dice, drops new dice and, Everybody sort of comes back to the table. Colin, of course, you know, turned around to see what was happening. He comes back. Colin picks up the dice and immediately realizes that the dice feel different. And he picks them up and he drops them. He picks them up and he drops them. He picks up and he drops them. And I don't know, you can tell you, anybody who's, if you're watching him, you could tell that something was off, right? That he is, is unsettled about these dice. And then Cole quickly grabs the dice and then rolls them and realizes that they that they roll straight to uh 11 you know and he picks up he does it and does it two or three times and he's like 11 11 and then accuses colin of introducing trick dice into his game calling him a cheater and having him ousted out of the game what's interesting about this scene is is it's actually a really interesting sleight of hand uh writing because when you first are directing, I don't know, direct, direct, maybe both. When the new dice get brought in, I, I assumed that the dice were just going to start working out of Colin's favor. Exactly. But it, that wasn't the trick here. That no. wasn't the con. The con was to to make it seem like Colin is introducing the the trick dice to just get him out and labeled a cheater, yeah. which is the long-term play, right? This isn't just like, I want to, I want this guy to lose money. Now. I don't want this guy having, being able to get in any dice scheme around town. As soon as he's labeled a cheater, I thought of my thoughts on this. Well, I'll get on my, my, my thoughts on this movie as a whole at the end, but I thought this little, this scene, this little bit of writing was brilliant. Yes, I agree. And yeah, it probably is the best scene in the movie. And, you know, when Cully is actually picking up, I, I thought, yeah, again, it was going to work against him and he was going to shoot right away. But when he's fiddling with the dice and he realizes something's up, it's like, okay, he's going to say, hey, these dice are loaded. You gave me loaded dice, but yep. he doesn't even get to that point, right? Because it's like you said, Cole pulls them back, you know, quickly enough. And if characters are paying attention, they'll realize, okay, Cully's being set up because... He realized they were bad dice. He started fiddling yep. with them. 
but of course, you know, characters aren't necessarily paying attention to that. And, uh, you know, Cole's strategy works here. So yeah, that's a, a very good scene in the movie. Yep. Uh, the uh, Sonny and, and Colin go to a boxing gym. They find a game in the back. Sonny's not having it because he's racist. And Cole finds him. Colin gets into the game and Cole shows up which I thought was interesting. It, it sort of shows that not only does Cole have his own game, but he round, he's maybe a rounder still as well. Yeah. And Cole finds him and they have like some dialogue where Cole's trying to, trying to kind of intimidate him, right. Sort of letting him know that like uh, he's trying to back off his hot, hot hand that not only beat his game, but is clearly cleaning up around town. Right. Um, <laughs> I had this note here, uh, and, uh, we can, we can get this. Well, I'll, I'll say this for the end. Uh, I wrote this here, but, uh, this will be, this is a better one for the end. Um, uh, Colin's mentor dies. Uh, so he heads back to, uh, he heads back to Indiana and Colin go is started going through some photos of hooker uh of uh of some of hooker's photos and finds a photo of hooker and ferguson ferguson being the woman uh who's backing him who's married to uh the blind gentleman mr edwards mm-hmm. we get a bunch of drama non-gambling scenes a bunch of love scenes but ultimately the drama comes down to Cole's wife, who Colin has fallen in love with, or is is twitipated on, if I can use a Bambi term here, uh, twitipated on. Uh, they are they are conspiring with uh, with a lawyer to get Colin back into the game and defeat and to win Cole's money and to oh everybody wins in this defeat of Cole. Right. We get back to the gems game. Colin is Colin brings in factory dice, which was. I, <laughs> It, it felt really random. I understood what they were doing. I understand like what the idea is here. Like, okay, I'm going to bring in these factory dice. That way there's no way you can, but here's the thing. They were red dice, just like the, just like the trick dice were. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if that helps you at all. Maybe they, maybe there's another marking on there that says that they're like some other dice, but they looked just like the dice that were in question a few scenes ago, which I, um, I would have expected there to be like some difference to be like, okay, clearly these are different dice from the factory, but, um, whatever. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it makes for a good scene because- the guy who's providing the dice is from the company company. And, you know, he's kind of skittish and he's obviously out of his element. So it's, it's, you know, it's a scene that's for laughs uh, more yeah. than anything else. I think, by the way, the, the guy who plays that character did really well. I thought, I thought he like, you, I really felt his anxiety, not anxiety, but just um, uh, like, you know, um, discomfort. Uh, in yeah, being, uh, being in that his standing. name's Don Lake. He's done a lot. He's kind of a character actor. He plays that kind of role in a lot of the stuff that he does. He's a good friend with Bonnie Hunt. If you know who Bonnie Hunt is, they collaborate a lot on, on a lot of stuff. And I think he actually produced her talk show. But yeah, Don Lake, he's he's a favorite of mine. Okay, very good. So they get to shooting, uh, Col- or Colin starts shooting. He sevens out. And... It's kind of a, you know, this is actually the first time I think I this I think is is this the first time we see Colin shoot seven out in the whole yeah, movie? I think so, yeah. Now that you mentioned it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was like, oh wow, he's gone this entire movie without sevening out. That's <laughs> incredible. Uh, but here it is. And uh he uh uh Cole starts shooting and uh Cole puts down four thousand dollars, and uh, and he only uh, and uh, um, 
Colin doesn't have quite as much to get there, but Sonny shows up in this sort of like moment of um, of sort of re- of repairment and and gives like gives him the money to match the bet. And then Colin brings out the silver the 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 the, the dollar coin that Hooker gave him that for when he needed luck and puts it down there. And he's like, "How about one more?" Cole obliges for four thousand and one dollars on the pass, and Cole ends up sevening out, and we get the callback and the or the 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 closure on the loop of the the lucky dollar coin. Yep. Coley ends up then going on an absolute heater. The line bet gets up to eight grand. Cole box a bit, and then finally ultimately puts down the eight grand to uh, to match it, and uh, Cole uh, uh, then uh, goes back to back hard fours right um establishes which, the point as four and then makes it as four both hard yep and then he puts up 16 grand uh to put on the line and cole ultimately walks away and our 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 hero or our our, our, our star is the hero okay well the, this note i think uh, d- uh explains uh a bit of where i'm a little lost here because i have this note this movie is going on for way too long <laughs> <laughs> that's a note that i have here because it, they start getting into like it goes back to the drama that cole um uh that colin has is it colin or coley i can never well, i have his it, last name's colin and he colin. asks people to call him cully okay that's what okay because i have it both ways in my notes and that's why i'm yeah. going back and forth um so coley uh is like he has this other girlfriend that we really haven't brought up here because she's not really involved in any of these scenes we're, we're discussing. And right. so he has like this, like, you know, this two woman situation. Uh, and like, he kind of chooses the uh, Cole's wife initially, and then finds out that she's promiscuous in what and how she does her business. And he's very upset about that and realizes he made a big mistake. Um, and uh <laughs> that whole thing was like I, that's where i was like this movie's going on for too long just please just wrap this up uh but we do get a scene back at the boxing ring and the one note that i have here is the gentleman on the phone says uh ginger pop in the fourth to win which i assumed was calling in a horse bet for a horse yes. named ginger pop yes Okay. Uh, good. Did you, uh, I was very proud of myself for catching that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the, the only, I, I'm glad you kind of brought that up because the only reason for that scene showing him on the phone, making that horse bet is to show that Cully is trying to call the gym, the, the mm. boxing arena. That's and he can't right. get through because the phone is busy because this guy is trying to make a bet over the phone. Right. So that's the whole reason for that. And it's nice that they kind of, you know, made it gambling related call. But it also got me thinking about, you know, years from now, our audience is going to even understand that that was the case, that the phone line was busy. You know, we live in, <laughs> yeah. in an era of, you know, mobile phones now, and that's not really an issue. You get a call and, you know, there's call waiting or, you know, you see what yeah. it is. There isn't really this concept of a busy signal and not being able to get through. But anyway, yeah, that was the whole point behind that scene. Right, because Coley... Uh, Coley, Mr. Edwards, and Cole all know that the heart tattoo guy is in town. The heart tattoo guy is the guy who blinded Mr. Edwards. And right. of course, Mr. Edwards is super pissed that Coley didn't bring it up. And Cole, because I think Coley, like, is kind of seeing a little bit in it with everybody's bullshit a little bit and, like, doesn't, 
um like he realizes he because he has a couple scenes with this with this uh heart the heart tattoos on the inside of his wrist is how they identify him and he has a couple scenes where i think he realizes he's not necessarily the bad guy here or at least doesn't feel that way and um when he realizes that edwards is now working with cole and cole's gonna run off to harm him to your point he's trying to call the call the boxing gym to warn him can't get through and that's where we hear the line uh ginger pop in the fourth to win Cole ends up uh, shooting down Carbondale, who's this, uh, who's the heart tattoo guy. Uh, again, my um, note here, this movie's gone on for way too long. Uh, this is my last note. People conspired, hearts were broken, but it all worked out in the end because he got the girl that he knew, he got the girl you knew he should have been with the whole time. Right. So kind of a happy ending. Uh, going back a little bit, we, we didn't really talk about this, but there is one scene where Mr. Edwards, the blind Mr. Edwards, played by Bruce Turn tells Cully the story of how he went blind. And it was because he was in a craps game with this fellow with the heart tattoo and they cleaned him out. And the guy asked if he could play on credit. Right. Asked, you know, Mr. Edwards and Mr. Edwards says, no. And I love this line that he says here. I mean, you know, you never lend money to a man in a crap game. Yeah. I thought that was great thinking of how many times Dr. Mike and I have lent money to each other in a crap game. <laughs> Mark's like, I don't know why I feel attacked from this movie. But, but he says that. And then, you know, the heart tattoo guy throws acid in his face, you know, because he's so angry. And that's what makes um, Mr. Edwards go blind. Um, so you were talking about how, yeah, Cully kind of maybe softens to the guy with the heart tattoo. But holy cow, he threw acid. And I, I was kind of surprised <laughs> that Cully really wanted to protect this guy and save this guy. I didn't yeah. feel like he had enough of an emotional connection to feel that he needed to save this guy. But oh, well, that's the way the, the movie went. So I, I felt the I felt I initially felt the same way you did. My rationale was because Mr. Edwards once he realizes Mr. Edwards and Cole are working together, I think he realized that he that he doesn't have any allegiance really to any of these people like and and one and i don't know i thought maybe you know, just by the way familiarity works in the human mind right like just being familiar with this guy and not having any reason to dislike him may have been enough but that's but you know i may have been working too hard to, to rationalize all that yeah I, and i'll tell you even though you're saying it went on a little too long i was still kind of waiting for another shoe to drop i thought there might mm. be some double cross at the end or something because again this is a neo-noir film it's it's sort of um the film noir was a big thing especially in american movies in the 40s and 50s and then it kind of died off and then starting in the 80s they started to sort of rejuvenate it and it's kind of called neo-noir and these neo-noir neo movies are not just duplicates, but they're paying homage to these films and maybe they're even kind of um, uh, uh, circumventing them and, and having fun with them. Anyway, uh, I, I guess what I wanted to say about this whole thing is that I enjoyed this movie much more than I thought I was going to. And it could have been because I had low expectations going in maybe because I was expecting it to be a different film than it turned out to be. Yeah. Uh, but I found myself really enjoying it. <laughs> but while I, while I was watching it, I was thinking, you know, I bet I'm enjoying this more watching it now than if I had seen it when it came out. Sure. And I don't know, maybe it's because it was a period piece. You know, it, it takes place in 1957. This movie was made in 1987. It's been about that same amount of time yeah. now since the movie was made. So maybe I got a, a little more of a kick out of it than I did. I will say this. Uh, I think the filmmakers 
uh, and the the screenwriter and probably the the person who wrote the book that this was based on called The Arm, Clark Howard, was the author. I could tell they really respected the material and the game, craps. Right. I didn't see any errors at all. Now, I haven't played in backroom craps games, but everything looked right to me. Everything made sense to me. Yep. As I mean, yeah, like I said, as a craps player, I was able, like, everything was trackable and made sense right never was i like wait mm -hmm. what are they doing why is that happening like is that is everything um everything was easy to follow right i i i think the reason why i thought the movie was going on a little too uh not i felt like they really i think padded the uh, i feel like there was a lot in the try to take down cole conspiracy of uh like like him going into the game and stuff like and then i also found it really interesting that like they warned him about that game they told the his stakers that they they said you shoot you play with our money you shoot with our dice but yet he kept on going back to this game and that wasn't like an issue, I guess. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. There, there were a lot of holes in this movie as far as the overall plot went. I right. mean, there's no question about it. Like you were talking about how Sonny turns out to be racist and there were no real consequences for that. That didn't yeah. go anywhere. Did they, you know, you were saying Sonny shows up at the end with money. Does that make it all right? I don't even know why they brought racism into it. Yeah. If there weren't going to be some kind of consequences and, and there weren't. And yeah, you know, the storylines, uh, Sonny has a girlfriend. He's going to be married. Oh, played by the wonderful Cherry Jones. I absolutely love her. You recognize her more from her modern stuff, but she's young in this movie and she's really good. And you know, the, the, the love triangle, um, Susie Amos plays the single mother that he's kind of in love with. And again, I've always kind of liked her too, but yeah, did it really add that much to the plot and, why was she so e eager to forgive him when he she catches him cheating on her? Anyway, there's plenty of holes in this movie. It's not a, a, a perfect movie, but certainly I was entertained by it. And maybe it's because I'm a craps player. Maybe that was a big part of it. I was going to say, if you enjoy craps, I think you you would enjoy one run at this movie. I think Agreed. You, yeah, yeah. At, le at least one run. This is yep. the only true craps movie that I've ever seen. I mean, it's about craps. Yeah, I mean it's the, exactly right. Uh, I don't. If you are some, if you are someone who enjoys, like, if you like going and playing video poker at the bar, but you don't really go to the craft table, you may not enjoy this, right? Maybe like, not. I, yeah, yeah. But um, I think if you enjoy the game of craps, you will, at the very least, find the, that aspect of this movie interesting, and you may end up enjoying the movie altogether. Yeah, and again, I, you know, I got kind of a kick out of this movie, but maybe I'd list it as a guilty pleasure. Yeah. You know, uh, again, it's it's <laughs> I can't recommend it as a great film, but I enjoyed it. Two questions I have, uh, I guess one note and then one question. Uh, a public service announcement that I have to give is someone who works at a cemetery. At the very end, you see him put the uh, the so the dollar coin that Hooker gave him. You see him put that dollar coin on top of uh, on top of Hooker's gravestone. Uh -huh. uh, just a public service announcement. Um uh, be mindful of leaving things on top of headstones and such. If you were at a uh, cemetery where where upkeep is sort of on the regular and stuff like that, coins are known to fall from uh, headstones and then get hit by uh, mower blades. Ooh. And and then that coin then chip those 
coins will then start chipping away at headstones oh. because they're being rocketed off of blades. Uh, so just uh, uh, look, I'm not discouraging anybody from leaving leaving mementos at a gravestone is 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 a tradition that 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 goes very far back. It's one that I'm, I'm not discouraging that. Just be mindful of what you're leaving there and think about what if this fell over and no one saw it in the grass, right? And, um, uh, wow, and excellent advice. I, this yes. never would occur to me. That's great. <laughs> Yep. And then my question for you, and I asked, I asked my colleague this earlier today to, to make sure I wasn't, this wasn't a crazy question. I think this is an okay question to ask. Is Tommy Lee Jones a good actor or is he just in movies that we enjoy and so associate him with good performances? I think he's a good actor. Shortly okay. after he made this movie, he was in Diane Lane, who's in this movie also in the miniseries Lonesome Dove, which I think is oh, the best yeah. television miniseries uh, ever. And he is so good in that. So, okay. No, I think he's very good. Okay. Okay. Uh, and if, that was not a knock on Tommy Lynn Jones. That was just a, uh, I was, I was like, I, I'm enjoying this. Like I'm enjoying his performance, but I was thinking of like of other like movies I've seen him in like fugitive stuff like that. I was like, is he like, is he actually like good acting or is I just, I just enjoy, I've enjoyed the movies he's in so much. I associate him with this, like with the uh, pleasurable viewing experience. And so, yeah, no, he's good. You could probably okay. find some crappy movies he was in too. <laughs> yeah. He's probably yeah. good in those two. <laughs> well, he was in Batman forever playing Two-Face. So oh, yeah. that's right. Okay. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. The big town, if you, uh, my, uh, Sounds like Mark enjoyed it. I didn't dislike it, but I would. Uh, my recommendation would be if you're a crafts player, I would, I would, I would bother you. I recommend seeing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Next, watch uh, Win It All, which is a movie that many of you that are subscribed to Netflix maybe have seen at some point, sort of on Netflix, and wondered, ah, is this any good? Uh, it came out in 2017. It stars Jake Johnson, Chris Swan, uh, Swanberg, uh, uh, Aislinn Derbez, Derbez, I think is how I say it, uh, and then Jolo Trulio. This was this is a movie that every time I look at the list of movies for us to watch, I've always dismissed. Um, and then I was like, well, the big town kind of came out of nowhere for me. Let me just include this other random one that I never bother to like put into our, our rotation. OK, um, and so that's how this one ended up getting uh, getting added. Like I said, okay. you can find it on Netflix. Um, it's it's available there. It's how I watched it. Yeah, and I think it's a Netflix movie. So, yes. I, you know, it wasn't released, I don't think, to theaters at all. It was just on Netflix. And although I had not seen uh, The Big Town before, I had seen Win It All before. So this was my Oh, you've seen movie. this. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, of, and then I, uh, Kegel Michael Key is also in this, which is right. um, uh, a face that I'm sure everybody uh, recognizes. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to note... I'm gonna I'm gonna point this at, out now, and then maybe we can we can follow up at the end if there's an if you look at the movie poster for this uh, for Win It All, both on what you see if you Google it, and then also the image that is on Netflix when you see it, there's gambling stuff like a spade, cards, and then there's dice. On <clears throat> I'm sorry, in both locations, one of the dies has sixes on all three sides that you see i'm pulling it up right now you're absolutely right yep. How, I, you know it's one thing to get the sides of the dice wrong that happens all the time but sixes on all sides so i oh I, boy i when i so here when i first saw this i thought it might have been a weird nod to six 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 right maybe there's like i was like maybe this maybe this guy like has some like evil in his life and after watching the movie, I was like, no, nah, I just think they messed that up. <laughs> I guess that's a strange thing to mess up, though. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know what else to, to um, <laughs> yeah. 
uh, to, to yeah, it's strange. Okay, we're back in Chicago. Uh, here's a, here's a, a, an unintended connection between these two. They're both in Chicago. Uh, our gentleman here is a uh, uh, um, Jake Johnson plays uh, sort of a down on his luck degenerate uh, who, uh, as we see initially, uh, the name is his character's name is Eddie. Uh, he parks cars for for Cubs games. Uh, that's the first introduction uh, we get to him. We see him at a gambling hall. There's poker games and other gambling, uh, other games of, of chance around. And of course we see him losing a hand. It's the first thing we see sets the, <laughs> sets the tone for the whole movie that this guy loses. Yeah. He goes into, he's up all nights. Uh, you tell he leaves, uh, that he's lost some, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I think, I think I missed a note here before he goes into this. We see him getting money from somebody. Um, I think I, is that, am I remembering that right? Doesn't well, he, he go? Quick, he he goes into like a convenience store, and oh no, that's the next morning. That's oh, the, I don't know. I don't have notes here for yeah that first couple. Okay. Of Anyhow, uh, we know that he lost a bunch of his money, and uh, he goes into a convenience store and he gets a coffee and a breakfast sandwich, or what I assume is a sandwich. And the shop owner's like, "Not this time! Not this time! Not this time!" And the guy's like, "Just come on, I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back." You can tell this has been a problem that he comes in here. He sort of tries, tries to uh, pro bono some, uh, some coffee and a sandwich on the, on the promise that he'll pay him back. And he even makes the point. I was up $200 at one point as if like, that's like some signal of, of future success, right? Don't worry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Very, the very first few scenes really set him up as a compulsive gambler and all the trappings that go along with that, you know, saying you know breaking promises and staying up all night and just all sorts of stuff so one of his lone sharks is about to go to prison uh in fact he's in his house on it uh unannounced which um which uh like i guess if and he's of course like very nervous because uh like if you owe someone money and they're randomly in your house you don't think this is going to go well uh but the guy says relax i just need a favor from you he goes on explaining he's about to go to prison and he's leaving him this bag. And he's like, you know, I come back at six, six to nine months. I think he even offers him uh, like what, 10 grand, I think. Yeah, that's the-, the thing. Watch this bag for me while I'm gone. And when I get out of prison, give me the bag back and I'll give you $10,000 for, yep. for the favor. Uh, easy money, right? That's easy money. Uh, a couple of scenes later, though, I'm just or- wondering, though, why this loan shark is trusting Eddie to do this, right? Obviously, he's had a history with him and there have uh, been some problems in the past. So who knows why he picked Eddie? Uh, because they needed the plot point, I, I, I guess. It, you nailed it. it. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> because, Mark, I my note is, is he uh, a loan shark's about to go to prison and he's leaving a bag of cash with a degenerate. <laughs> <laughs> which I feel like should be uh here's the thing you can say, we're about to go through this you can say that Eddie was an idiot to this whole thing I think this guy's a bigger idiot for leaving <laughs> right. cash with a degenerate yeah. right like if I was his friend I'd be like what are you doing leaving your money with this guy yeah yeah a couple of scenes later he looks in the cash or he looks in the bag of course that we then find find out is in fact a bunch of cash and then some other random like if there's a hammer and a noose well yeah it looks like it just a bunch of crime scene evidence yes yeah, exactly <laughs> right? yeah. and it was like uh, I, I think he's asking you for the, maybe, you know, not to your question, why is he leaving? 
maybe he he like if this bag gets found, he didn't care if Eddie went down for it, right? Yeah, maybe okay. maybe All that's right, part yeah. of it. Like <laughs> I'm gonna leave this evidence of a crime with him yeah. as well. I'll lose my money, but at least that guy gets pinned for the for the crime. Maybe. No, I think we're giving the screenwriters too. All much right, that's it. fair. That's fair. <laughs> Uh, he goes to a, he meets he meets his sponsor his, his assuming his gambling anonymous sponsor right. at a diner. In fact, this is Kegel Michael Key, um, one of my favorite uh, comedians uh, of my generation. Uh, I find it, I find him to be very funny. I was very pleased to see him there. Yeah. Uh, and he he presents this is one of the but this is one of the funniest dynamics between uh, between these two types of characters we've seen in movies like this. Because his he's coming to his sponsor with the idea that he's going to gamble just a little bit of this money, and I, I laughed out loud at every time these two interacted because it was such an unorthodox relationship between gambling addict and sponsor. And yep. Ke- uh, uh, Kegel Michael Key, I forgot to write down his character's name, uh, Gene. Gene, yeah. Uh, he he says you're a loser. All you do is lose. And I was like, man, how many of us need that guy in our lives? <laughs> we, oh, I I, there's a reminder we could all use every once in a while. It is a great scene to introduce his character of Gene. And I love it. He He's he's listening to Eddie and he's just, he can't believe what he's hearing, right? This, this crazy scheme that Eddie's telling him. And he says to Eddie, every story you've ever told me, from the day I've met you has been about how you were here and he holds his hand up way high. And then you ended up here and, you know, puts it real low. And again, this just, that's degenerate gamblers, right? You hear about, Oh, I was up this much, but I lost it all. Uh, You know, it's a common story. He eventually takes out $500 from this bag, even though like you could see, he's like trying to like keep himself from doing it. And then ultimately like does it. And he 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 tells Gene, I'm just going to bet $500 and, yep. you know, see what I can get. And he even says, my line is $500. I don't touch it after that. And of course, <laughs> you know, that's not going to be true. We all know that's not going to be true. It may, it reminded me of the scene of, of um, Oni Mahoney where Mahoney's like, yeah. he gives his friend chips and he's like, you know, uh, whatever I do, just like, you know, hold on to those. And then goes yep. back and he's like, please yep. give me more chips. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he hits he hits the tables at his local gambling parlor. I saw a game. I saw a poker, blackjack, and then they have even like a little back uh, back room action of <laughs> right. throwing tossing cards into a bowl. Did you yeah. notice any other games that he was playing? Uh, no, I think that was about it. And then okay. you know, it's funny because now I, it's occurred to me. You talked about the poster and the dice. I don't think there are dice in the movie at all. No, I don't think he throws dice. I don't think he threw dice that. once. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that was basically it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, and he wins a bunch of money. Big night for him. Big night. He wins a bunch of money. He goes out and he celebrates. Uh, we see him. This is where he meets his love interest for the for the for the movie. Uh, we, we meet a handful of his friends uh, who kind of pop up in a couple more scenes, uh, but establishes his social life and sets up his love life uh, in this following scene. Right. Uh, and, and, well, and, and just as, oh, to interject here real quick, too, this is the beginning after that first run. This is the beginning of between certain scenes, 
down in the corner of the screen, it would show how much he was ahead or down. Right. And that was a, a, an effective device. I liked that they used that. Did you, so I was, I was passively noticing that. Um, did you notice what the, like how much he was up after that night? I didn't, yes. I didn't catch that. How he much? Was, I, I, he was up $2,148. Oh, it's a good <laughs> night for him. Okay. It was yeah. good. And then after he partied with everybody and bought drinks at everything, it went down to $1,975. So that that's was a, basically the result of his. That's a good night for 200 bucks, though. He was buying rounds for everybody. Yeah, that's not a bad <laughs> night for $200. Yeah. Uh, he's at the horse track now, and he's he's he, it seems like he's like with one of the trainers walking through the stables. Uh, yeah, I don't know how he got back there. Yeah, yeah he's back there, and he's like <laughs> like confirming when a horse was running. Like I thought, yep. it's like that's like that's huge access. Like <laughs> that, that's that's valuable. He then goes to the kiosk. He's making bets, and I think like the first race seemed to go his way, and then like the more the races go on, the more frustrated he looks, and he's clearly uh losing right and it's it's a it's a basically a montage at the racetrack where you see it you know start great and then eventually just go down 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 yep and he calls a friend to go get more money from this bag but by the time his friend gets there it starts raining they postpone the like they cancel the rest of the, the races he's leaving and as he's on his way back he's pounding his steering wheel now the average viewer may have just like, just, okay, there's a, there's a frustrated gambler. That is something I think anybody who's gambled a little too much has done, mm -hmm. right? Like when I saw him pounding his, like, like maybe we're not beating it like that, but I think every one of us, and I've talked about this before, you leave the casino and you realize you played a little more than you should have. You're frustrated with yourself for losing, either losing too much or playing too long or, or not stop, like whatever it be. And you, you have this, this outburst and like hit your stealing wheel or, or yelling at yourself. I, it was, it's such a small thing, but I was like, I, that was such a great depiction of like what that feels like. I agree because it's the first moment where he is alone. Yep. He, he, probably is not being seen by anybody else and he's finally collecting his thoughts and realizing you know how stupid he's been yeah that's i think that's pretty common i think a lot of us have pounded on our steering wheels yep uh he, but uh, he's not done he takes out more money out of the bag of cash heads right back to the gaming parlor and loses some more yep and so at this point He's down $21,243. And I think, you know, them flashing that number on the screen is to kind of get a reaction from the audience. Like, oh my gosh, you know, when he was up 2000, that was pretty good. Now he's down 10 times that amount. Yeah. So, yeah. I thought it was really great that I think that device really, because when you, when you just see the scenes, okay, yeah, we see things went well and then things didn't go well. And a non-gambler or maybe an, even the average gambler might think like, oh, he's the, he's the he's bad run. You realize, no, 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 this is a problem, right? Like, like yeah. he, like, you know, it's not, there's no net that catch him, right? Yeah. He, you know, and uh, so I think to your point, that device was, was a, a great way to track sort of what he's experiencing. He meets with his sponsor to talk, um, uh, to talk about it, his losing and his sponsor, his sponsor laughs at how quickly he's lost the money. Like how quickly he has gone back on his word of not playing past five. He was like, it's been one week. It's been one week. Uh, and he just, and finally they collect himself. And he says, you have to admit that you were an idiot. And they have this like funny little like exchange of him 
And then it kind of gets a little more serious. And Eddie's like, I'm, I'm addicted to losing. Right. Gene actually forces him to say it out loud. Yep. My name is Eddie and I'm addicted to losing. Yeah. And it's such a powerful moment because that's something you won't hear a lot of people willing to say, right? Yeah. Like that is even, I mean, I'm sure all of us have spoken to that one person who gets a little too carried away, who does who denies, you know, if they're playing a little like, oh, I'm fine. Like, oh yeah, I guess. But like that admission is so vulnerable and so difficult to get people to admit to. I really like that they were able to like laugh at him and then bring the moment to a serious, like, no, seriously, like this is what I'm experiencing. Yeah, uh, he actually comes clean to his brother. So his brother, uh, we we see his brother a little earlier uh, in the uh, in the movie, but uh, nothing notable there. So this is the second time we see him. Uh, but he he comes clean to his brother that he's down twenty k. He admits that he's at the bottom. He claims he's going to go to meetings, and his brother skeptical. Like I think a lot of us would be in that situation, but like, here's some, here's some sincerity. And I'm sure there's some sort of brotherly love there as well. And he says he wants, he wants a job with his brother that he had sort of declined earlier in the movie. And his, his brother offers him a pretty sweet loan forgiveness deal. Uh, We're not loan forgiveness deal, but a pretty sweet like deal to help him with sort of the money he owes he brings him, he offers him the jobs. He's going to work you to death seven days a week. Like you're going to be busy. You're going to work for it. You're going to start at the bottom. You're going to work your way up in this organization. But if you, if you, if you commit to this and you do your, you play your part after six months, I will loan you whatever else you need to cl- to clear off your debts. Right. And it's a, a family owned landscaping company. Their father apparently started this landscaping company and Eddie's brother has kind of taken it over and he's always wanted uh, Eddie to actually kind of, you know, come become straight and join him in the business. So he's actually pleased with that. Yep. And I think that's where, you know, you said brotherly love and the, the loan and everything comes in. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, his brother, uh, is, uh, brother's name's Ron, played by uh, Joe Lotrulio, who is someone that, like, if you saw him, you'd recognize him. But I don't know if I could point to a role where you're like, oh, that guy. I guess probably uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh, where duh, people would know duh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 I don't. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that, yeah. And yeah. and although you know that's a very goofy character, uh, this is he plays this one straight. This is not yep. a comic uh, character by any means. Yeah, he's very good in this role. Yeah, agreed. He he. So this begins a run of scenes where Eddie is legitimately getting his life back. And he is, um, you know, he is, we don't see him gambling. We see him being worked to death uh, in this, um, in this, this landscaping business. In fact, one of his fellow workers says to his brother, he doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to use a rake. And his brother responds, he's used to a different type of rake, which I thought was a really great line. Yeah, that's a good line. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, he goes back, he goes to a, a gambling anonymous meeting with his sponsor. Uh, he's, uh, and, and one thing I really, this, I'm, I'll just say it now. I was going to say it to the very end. This movie's good. I, I, I legitimately enjoyed this movie. Um, and was like, I'd watch that again. And I'd recommend, I recommend people watch this. Okay. Well, let's talk about this at the end. Yes. Because it's, I've definitely got some problems with it. Okay. But it's a very well-made movie. Sure. And so, you know, maybe we can kind of talk about things at the end, but yeah. Okay. 
his his sponsor brings him into the into the into the meeting and introduces him saying he hasn't been in a few months but it's important the important thing is that he's back um which uh, i thought was a great like and that's really all we see from that from uh yeah. from uh yeah. from that scene he goes back to the bodega and he pays the or the the convenience shop and he pays the the shop owner there so there's like there's reconciliation there and he's 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 explaining this to i think camera i have the quote here i don't know if he's talking to his brother or is a sponsor i imagine it's a sponsor he's saying that feeling of having oh no i think he's in a he's in the meeting he's saying that feeling of having nothing uh being broke he's like that's the feeling that i'm chasing and i don't want to chase it anymore yeah and i thought it was again I feel like that really like this, this movie, I, I, I think I, I, I'm interested to see where the problems you have with it. I'm sure I don't disagree, but the movie clearly understands problem gambling. Yes. Oh yeah. No yeah. question. Yeah. And, and I, I'll, it, well, go ahead. I was going to say when that was the skepticism I had on it before when a movie started, I was like, okay, here's another problem gambling movie. And then I was I was very surprised at like how well they understood the behavior, the attitude, and some of these lines make it clear that that the per- people who wrote this understood problem gambling. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, they, they definitely do kind of respect that. Now you're saying this whole second act is basically him, you know, getting his life back together and going right. through all these things. For me, it was stressful. I think for a lot of viewers, it would be stressful because you just know. Yeah. that it's not going to last. Something's going to happen, right? It, because, uh, you know, it can't just be, this is going to be the end of the movie. He gets his life <laughs> back to you and that's it, right? So, you know, uh-oh, something bad's coming. Yep. Um, they end up having a family dinner where his love interest meets his brother and, and his family. They're talking about how their father was a gambler. So you get a little context there of maybe how he was in, like maybe where his influence was on gambling. And then... Here comes the plot. Here comes where uh, where where it's not all suns, uh, not all roses anymore. The guy who left him the bag, who's in prison, calls him and lets him know, "I'm getting out early. I'll be there in a week to pick it up." And this is where things get uh, get dicey. He begs his brother for a loan early. His brother declines. His brother. I was actually. Uh, at first I was like, come on, know the situation. And I was like, actually, when you're dealing with a problem gambler, you've probably seen this before. Right? Yeah. This is not yeah. a new situation right. for the brother. Right. Yep. Even though maybe it is a matter of life and death this time. And it hasn't been in the past. Yeah. Yep. And he goes, to, <laughs> he goes to his buddies. And I really appreciated this scene because this really was a tr- like, this really was a great, uh, scene of friends discussing an issue. He's like, <laughs> he's talking to his friends. Like he needs to figure out one of his buddies. Like, you know, some people, they disappear in national parks. You know, maybe we drive you in there and you just like wander around. I'll pick you up on the other side. <laughs> I was like, that's so something. Everybody has that friend who thought that was a good idea. Yeah. Um, they bring up, uh, painting apps on their bodies in Vegas for money, selling Coke. Like they bring up a number of, like a number of ridiculous ideas on how to, uh, on how to get, um, uh, how to get the money yeah. he then tries to gamble the rest of what he has he thinks like well i'm gonna die anyways i might as well just try, like what and he tries to go to the parlor the parlor cuts him off yeah mm-hmm. um so now like now even so the the and because at first you're like oh here he goes he's gonna go to the parlor and he's gonna be in worse than he is and the parlor is even like no you can't gamble here and he he's talking to he's back with uh um with gene his um his sponsor 
And he's kind of pleading to him. He's saying, I like to work. I like to get up and I like to, you know, I want to move up. Like, I don't want to gamble. And again, I thought this was such a great like glimpse into a recovering addict, right? Of just like, like I have now found what I've found something that doesn't involve my addiction that I enjoy. And I just, I don't want, I, I don't want to do that again. And, and I don't, I don't know if this is where we start getting into like problems you have with the movie, but his sponsor then feels like the only way to really do this is to sort of go for broke in a high stakes poker game. Right. His sponsor yep. is right. the his person sponsor. who's recommending this. He was, his sponsor says, I can get you into my old game. It's high stakes, but I can get you in. Right. So he gets into the game. It's in the suburbs. It's like in a, it's like in the back of an appliance store. It seemed yeah, like, right. Um, he's got a bag man, which I thought was great. Who was the bag man? I had, I couldn't, I, I missed, I missed the connection there. Was that just Gene's friend or was that his friend? Like I, I was missing on who that the was bag his was. friend. I think he was one of the guys that was in the bar, you know, discussing okay. possibilities. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, so I was thinking, I want a bag man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just want to walk around the casino and just have a guy who's handing me money of a bag. I mean, that's not good advice. I say, don't like, don't flash money on the casino floor. I just think it'd be cool to have a bag, man. Right. Um, here's, so here's where one of my problems that he drinks, right? Yeah. Like the first thing he does is order a drink, uh, at this poker game. Like, come on, like at the very least be, be like sharp for like your go for broke poker game here. But anyways, he starts drinking. He's also very concerned. And this, I want to hear your thoughts are he's very concerned that the table is not a traditional hold'em table. He's very concerned, and I'm thinking, why does he care? Yeah, number one, and then it doesn't become a, a plot point it, at all. It doesn't come up later, so I don't even know why they felt they needed to do it, other than, you know, maybe at the time the filmmakers were thinking, "Hey, I asked for a hold'em table. This isn't it. Well, we we better address it in the dialogue then, because yeah, it's it it's no big deal, and it doesn't matter later. So I don't know. Do do you think it was? Do you think it was all at all? showing like like he's nervous and so he's trying to find anything to sort of blame oh that could be yeah, where he's like oh he's hey this isn't the way i thought it was going to be right this isn't yeah yeah, yeah maybe. maybe but then that sort of contradicts what happens later when he talks himself into going back to the game so i don't know maybe okay. uh it's a fifteen thousand dollar buy-in uh, he only brings five to the table and then learns it's 15, goes back, gets 10 more. He buys in and goes on a bad run. He's down $57,000. Yeah. Uh, he gets a, and he, he starts talking about, he's like, I, I got to run. I got to run. I have, I have enough money. He's, to... run. he's, he's complaining that the game is too loose, basically. Like these guys yeah. don't care and he's, he's not able to beat it. And that can certainly happen, sure. you know, when uh, you got a loose game. But yeah, so he's talking about how he just needs to leave town. He he gets uh then he he gets a voicemail uh from his girlfriend's daughter about how his girlfriend's daughter uh, she, the daughter uh says how, how happy like she's looking forward to meeting him I think she needed he needed to pick like chicken or steak or something for the for the dinner if I heard it right I came it was difficult to sort of understand her but yeah. it's clear that like he hears this little girl like express like excitement to see to meet him that at dinner later that night it'll be the first time that he meets his girlfriend's daughter and her mother and it was a, a big moment in his life and it this motivates him and he decides to get back in there and go and try and try one more time and 
He gets in there. He runs it all the way back and is only down five grand. He ends up hitting a, uh, hitting a flush, winning the final hand. He wants to play more hands. He thinks he's finally like figured the game out. Right. Like and, the compulsive gambler would, even though he's yep. got all his money back. Yep. He's got all the way back and some. Yep. Yep. He wants to keep playing. Right. And his friend is like trying his friends yelling at the players, cash him out, cash him out. And he's like, no, 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 don't cash me out. Don't get. And this, and during this whole time, he's clinching his chest. It's clear. It's obvious from a viewer standpoint, what's happening, but he's not really picking up on it yet. And finally he collapses and starts saying, I'm having a heart attack. And his friend, uh, friend of the friend of the day, if you don't, uh, if you know, supporting his friend, compulsive gambling friend, gambling, notwithstanding, uh, like, running him out of this with him in his arms and the cash in our in hand yeah. uh to to get him back to a hospital uh and um he finally gets back to a hospital and we start seeing some other recon- and then we end up seeing reconciliation between him and his brother and then he makes it back to his uh his girlfriend's house and there's like a nice little moment in meeting the family and we sort of get the the warm and fuzzy ending that uh, that you know as a viewer you hope for right yeah so um I'll say what I have to say, and then you can tell us sort of where where maybe your your holes are, where where Sounds your good. problems are. Yep. So, of course, I don't like the idea that the sponsor is the one who's like, "Well, you got to run, you got to get into a big game," <laughs> like, and it was especially disappointing because, as you heard in my notes earlier, I loved a lot of the dialogue between him and the sponsor. They're giving each other a hard time, and it's clearly that Gene actually cares. It's why he shows up, right? Like sponsors, from my like, I don't I have to admit, I don't want to like opine over something that I don't experience. But from my perception, sponsors show up because they know what they've been through, and they're hoping that they can, you know, that that there's hope and potential in other people that are seeking, seeking help. And so you kind of feel that in a little bit yeah. and, you know, Gene shows up and goes to meetings with him. Like, like you see a good sponsor relationship there. And then Gene's like, well, you got to gamble essentially. Right. He's like, well, th- that's the only choice here, right? Your only yeah. choice is to get into a big game and, and win it all. So that was, a, and then of course the, um, one of the things that I have, one of the problems that I have with, with a lot of gambling movies that do that have this, this way of uh, the storyline is like, I'm in a bad mood. I'm not doing well gambling. I'm in a good mood. I'm now doing well gambling. Right. Like it's yeah, like, right, it's yeah. like, is this all emotionally based? Yeah. Uh, you see in 21 is the worst example <laughs> of this. Right. But take, take a couple of those things that, that bother me. I, by, by the end of this movie, I was like, that was a good movie. Like I really enjoyed that. And I think, Partly because gambling is something that's difficult. Some maybe not difficult. Gambling is something that's not always depicted well on screen. I thought they did a good job here. Yeah. The gambler itself, like who you are as a character, is not always depicted well on screen. And I thought that Jake Johnson did a great job in his Very performance. Well. Yeah. And yeah. it was clear the writers knew what it what problem gambling looked like. Right. He co-wrote this with the director, Joe Swanberg. So I, oh, there you go. I bet they've been through some of this. Yes, yes, I agree. And, and I thought it was cast well. I thought every, like, mm-hmm. like you said, like, um, uh, Joe LaTrulio, you know, uh, usually does a goofy guy, straight, straight shooter here, does a great performance. I thought Kegel Michael Key, despite how I don't like the sponsored promoting gambling, I thought it was, I thought his performance was great good performance i thought it was great writing i thought the gambling and the gambler were well represented uh for a movie 
and I would re- this is on my list of of recommended movies for gamblers, and it's it's closer to the top of the list than I think I would have anticipated coming into this. Okay, well, good, good. So um, I enjoyed this movie too the first time that I saw it, uh, but I do want to address a couple things. First of all, the overall story is pretty cliched, at least up until the point where. Again, Gene says, well, you've got to keep gambling. But um, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's cliched, almost hacky in a way. Okay. And uh, it got, you know, once the second act was over, it's like, well, okay, you've presented this hacky story. You've got to kind of complete it the way that you've presented it. And it, the way they present it from the beginning is, okay, this is going to be a morality tale. He's going to learn something at the end and you know, he's going to be broke or, you know, it's going to end like owning Mahoney or who knows what happens. Yeah. But then it kind of diverts from that. So I'm a little torn here because I'm glad they diverted and that it wasn't just a morality play, but at the same time, well, does it really make sense? Because the whole ending happens pretty quickly. Yeah. He gets all his money back. That That's basically it. He gets all his money back. He has a heart attack that prevents him from continuing to play, even though that's what he was going to do. He was making the wrong choice and he doesn't have to pay for that wrong choice because he just happened to have a heart attack and talking about wrapping things up so quickly, he's in the hospital. And then he says, Oh, I've got a dinner that I need to get to. And he just leaves. He just had a heart attack. How long was he in the hospital? Yeah. Wasn't this supposed to be like the same day? So, you know, there were certain things there that just, Oh, it just kind of wrapped up a little too nicely, but I will say this. I did like that it was a situation where there's a happy ending because yeah. uh, again, e- even though I'm saying it maybe shouldn't have been that way based on, you know, the structure of storytelling, I was happy. I think that this movie lies somewhere in between uncut gems and let it ride where, okay. you know, uncut gems is just serious, serious. And he does pay the price at the end and let it ride, which is kind of goofy, and he wins all his money at the end. Yeah. I will say this. The individual scenes and the dialogue were great. Very realistic. Very realistic. Yeah. And that's one of the pluses of the movie, I think. I didn't... uh, It's sort of a comedy in a way, right? There's definitely some comedic elements. I don't know if I'd go so far to say that it's a comedy drama, but it's a drama with a lot of comedy in it. Um, And... I didn't see any errors in the gambling. Uh, So again, this, you know, if, if the screenwriters really know what problem gambling is like, I think they really know what gambling is like too. Now they didn't, during the gambling, the gamblings were, it was more like montages than anything. You know, you didn't sit through a single hand and see what happened. It was more of a montage. So, you know, maybe they can kind of get away with more and, and avoid mistakes by doing that but I didn't see anything. Everything looked good uh, with a couple of things. The, the, the original casino, the backroom casino that he went to, they were using chips that were so generic. Yeah. I mean, so generic that anybody could have brought chips in to yeah. this, uh, you know, casino and cashed out. So I kind of wish they, they'd done a little thing there, but um, yeah, I, I give it a thumbs up too. Although I will say that watching it the second time, I probably had more criticisms than I did watching it the first time. So as I'm hearing you describe all of that, that's ex- I ha- 
before you even said watching the second time, I thought, I bet if I watch this again, I I would see all of these things more clearly. Yep. Right. So I'm watching it for the first time. And honestly, I'll admit, I was kind of blinded by just how well the gambler was being represented that I was so excited for that character to exist that I think the the because like I said, very trite story, right? Like it's yeah. guide down on his luck, decides to turn it around. Oh, snap. We have one more hurdle to get over. Okay, we did it. Well, uh, you know, the, oh, watch this bag for me while I'm in prison. You know, that, <laughs> right? You know, that's, like you said, it's a plot device. Like, okay. The, 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 the one little bit of credit I will give it is, I don't know. You can say that there's, a, there's definitely a glimpse of his problem gambling at the end coming in, right? Where he definitely, he wants to stay in the poker game. Like yeah. he's on like, but I do give them credit that the, the the turning point or the the crisis was not him falling back into gambling so that's one i give them a little bit of credit that it wasn't like that the it's things were well and then he's like oh shit that's right this money in this bag that and now it's good like i I was expecting the i was i was expecting the crisis just be that he had gambled all of it like that he would just get back into gambling right that they were like that you know that things would like despite good things happening he would just have like a friend would ask him to come out with him one night and he'd get back into yeah yeah right right. but um of course we anticipate the bag you i mean you know the bag of money is going to be the problem towards the end i just kind of appreciated that it wasn't a that it wasn't him lapsing before that was the big the, the 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 problem. Yeah, and I I realize I may be contradicting myself because on one hand I say, well, you've picked this formula, you've got to stick with it. But at the same time, I appreciated the things that they didn't do that you expect in a gambling movie. For example, he didn't really get in trouble with his girlfriend. He was a little late to that dinner, but yeah. there wasn't that typical scene where the girlfriend says, you know, it's me or the gambling, right? Yeah. You know, and that is kind of tired. So I was glad there wasn't something like that in there. Yep. Um, okay. That is, do you have any other notes on what it all? Yes, I actually do have oh, some please. here. One thing, when he first it opens up the bag at the beginning and first he's seeing all this crime scene stuff and then he starts taking out the money and he goes, oh no. Yeah. Oh no. He says it several times. It, it's kind of for comic effect, but oh no, oh no, oh no. As if to say, well, I'm going to be gambling with this money, (laughs) right? It's like he knows why did there have to be money in the bag, right? You know, it's going to be, so um, I got a kick out of that. The, uh, their dad, so Eddie and his brother, their dad apparently had a gambling issue and he had the nickname Chips. I thought that was a nice touch. You don't find out why he has the nickname Chips till later, but it apparently was because, you know, he'd be in poker games and he'd lose his stack and, you know, chips, he'd have to call for more chips, chips. So I thought that was a nice uh, touch as well. Um, at the card, the, the final game at the end, it looked like they were using chem cards, which are a plastic card. I, it, they looked identical to the ones we use in our home game. So I thought that was nice that it wasn't just, you know, bicycle cards or something. Oh, they actually sure. got some, some nice cards there. And uh, I'm looking over my notes here. I think that's about it. The only other thing I would say is there is a mid-closing credit scene that you should stick around for. That's oh, 
kind of nice. So okay, yeah, I did not catch that. I, uh, I oh, you didn't? No. Oh, yeah, there's it's 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 only a few uh, minutes into the closing credits. It's not like at the very end. Okay, it's kind of a nice scene. Uh, definitely check it out. It's a nice uh, book into the movie. Oh, good. Okay, yeah, I'll go back and uh, um, I'll watch that. And thank you for for pointing that out. I, I yeah, but never seen it. Yeah, no problem. And I uh, yeah, I'm looking over my things. I think that's it. Yeah, I think I think you're you know positioning this between let it ride and and uncut gems is is i think that's pretty spot on um sort of in how and how this uh the movie shakes out i i yeah, think and leading a little more towards uncut cut gems except for the you know the yeah. island ending <laughs> right right the i th- the reason why it goes closer to the top of my list for movies I'd recommend to people, movies I'd recommend to gamblers, is because if you want anybody to be exposed to a, a movie about a problem gambler, like this is a, a much like, like <laughs> owning Mahoney, I had to watch that in two sittings the first time I watched it, right? Because right. I just got yeah. so uncomfortable. Yeah. And it, it will make you just like, like be so sad you're like oh my goodness people are like this like this is a reality i do i like the and who knows like i said who knows where the writers were getting the material from but you can definitely tell that there's experience there and yeah there's like people you're gonna, gonna say this me this may sound a little too woke for some people but stay with me it's important for representation in movies, right? And I think that the I think the problem gambler that Jake Johnson showcase, like uh, the, uh, that he performs here, is not one that you see often. I can't, I can't, I don't know if I can even compare this character to another problem gambler in in the way that he's behaving and the way that he's interacting with people in a in a more positive light of like no yeah, i don't want to be doing this anymore like yeah, i i go. recognize i'm chasing losses i don't want to you know and sort of coming and i think that that's not represented enough and as some like no one likes their hobby their demographic you know, their what name anything to be poorly portrayed in sure. tv and movies and as a gambler i think it's important for problem gambling to be to be presented that people should know that the owning Mahoney's of the world exist, but that I don't want people to think that just and let, you're either a professional gambler, like they are in 21 or you're degenerate, like owning Mahoney. Yeah, right. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I, I, I really appreciated that this character was written the way that he was. I think Jake Johnson did a great job with the character and yep. performing it yep. and the dialogue with every one of the characters and the way they performed it, I thought were really good. I so, agree. and so, yeah, that's, that's why I would put it uh, closer to the top of my recommendation list. Okay, very good, very good. Yep. Okay, so we have a couple of we have a couple of options on the next time we do this. Uh, a couple more movies again, as I fill the grab bag uh, full of, of things to grab. Um, we can do another James Bond actor, Roger Moore or Pierce Brosnan, make the most sense, even though it's a lot of movies to get through. Or I can't believe I'm about to admit this to you: I have not seen the movie Let It Ride yet. Oh, that's fine. You okay. know, it's it's one of those movies that it just gets terrible reviews, and yep. uh, yeah, it just tickles me. So, yep. Well, <laughs> every time, so and here's every time I see 
the gambling movie discussion on Twitter, there's always one person, at least one person who says, let it ride, right? Yeah. There's at least one person who's like, we need to make sure this person, and I, I need to finally, uh, I need to finally watch it. So um, let it ride. The only problem is I don't know what the, what a good pairing is um, in the gambling. Uh, so I guess my question, would you like to do a James, another James Bond actor? Um, or at least not maybe there's the full catalog of an actor, but we can we can choose an actor and then choose like two to four movies to go through, um, or and start that catalog. Or would you like to do Let It Ride and then another movie to be announced via Twitter uh, when I discover the right movie to go along with this? Well, okay, uh, you know it's your show, and okay. you can decide. But I guess I'd kind of like to steer away from another James Bond. Okay, for now only because it's yeah it's a lot of movies to watch and there might not be a lot of gambling material you know yeah. when we went through those ones with sean connery i can't remember which one it was maybe it was thunderball it, yeah. there was none no gambling. right yeah you know? <laughs> so um yeah maybe we can hit that down the road some way but um yeah i guess i'd prefer to do something else okay maybe the better way to do a james bond thing is to uh to do casino royale and then maybe find another james bond movie in the catalog that maybe has heavier gambling okay yeah maybe, maybe that's the way to do yeah, that but yeah. uh okay well let's do let well, we're definitely going to do let it ride and then uh i'll do a little I'll, I'll look at your i'll look at your list of gambling movies uh and and see if there's a good pairing for it i i know that we, we don't perfectly pair these but i do my best to like put two movies that are like that are easy to talk to back to back right that are some yeah, you know right. and um even though like a craps movie and then win it all like there's no like there's not really related but in my head there were like two sort of random movies that sort of sit alone that people anyways um yeah, i make take a take a look at the list I, it can be a little overwhelming because it's just in alphabetical order and there are a lot of movies in there yeah. i mean going back to the beginning of filmmaking right so you know yeah. there are probably some that we wouldn't even consider but uh, you know maybe if you do a search on ones from the 2000s you'd have to do a manual search i don't have anything to sort them or anything yet but right yeah take a look make your way through it okay uh that's what we'll do mark i thought when i, I didn't want to say at the top of the episode because i want to jinx myself i could have sworn when we got in this i was like this will be a quicker one because i didn't <laughs> think i had as much to say about uh about the first movie but uh i had plenty to say about the second movie so i guess uh, that's yeah, how we're amazing. here but yeah. um mark it's always a pleasure my friend all right the pleasure's been eric's <laughs>